first scripture reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Hear now the word of God. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will surely not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Our second reading is from Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. Listen again to the word of God. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourselves down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God remains forever. Amen. Today is the first Sunday of Lent. This is a season in our church calendar every year, and we've heard about it all of our lives. But do we really know what it means? How did it start? Where did the word come from? Why do we observe it? You may have had these questions and and many other questions, but we've been taught that the season of Lent begins on Ash Wednesday. Acknowledging that we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory, Ash Wednesday is a public act of confession. Ashes 
are an ancient symbol of repentance, sorrow, and sacrifice. As is the custom in our church, we have a service that day with the imposition of ashes and worship, signifying the beginning of our journey and reflecting on the days ahead. This year, as you may know, due to the dangerous winds and the weather, we were forced to cancel this service. This was unfortunate, and one might say that we're getting a late start. But regardless, we move forward to today, the first Sunday of Lent. You all know that Lent is a period of 40 days. The same as the flood in Genesis, Moses' time on Mount Sinai, Jonah's call of repentance in Nineveh, and Jesus' time of suffering and testing in the wilderness. It lasts from Ash Wednesday until the evening of Holy Saturday, the Saturday before Easter. Now, if you get out your calendar and you do a little math, you will actually see that that makes Lent 46 days long, not 40. But the Sundays in Lent are not counted because every day is a celebration of the res resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. The liturgical color is purple during Lent, and it will remain that way until Monday, Thursday, when all of the decorations and the church are removed and the church is stripped. It's a season similar, similar to Advent before Christmas. However, it's much less understood. Advent's easy for us to understand because it's normal for us to look forward to something. Children are taught at an early age to look forward to Christmas morning simply by making them wait to open all those presents under the tree. So when the pastor starts talking about looking forward to Christmas and the birth of Christ, we get it. The message of Lynn, however, is much different and much harder to understand. First, let's look at the word Lent itself. What does it mean? And where did it start? The English word Lent is a shortened form of the Old English word Lenten. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Lenten, meaning spring season or lengthening of days. As we've observed the last few weeks with the increased hours of sunlight, that makes sense. In other languages, it means fasting period or great fast. Some say it was created in 325 AD at the Council of Nicaea. It's a time for growth in faith through prayers, discipline, self-examination, in preparation for remembering the dying and rising of Jesus Christ. In ancient Christian practice, Lent was a time of preparation for the celebration of baptism on Easter. In many churches, it remains a time to equip and nurture candidates for baptism or confirmation and for the whole community of faith 
to reflect deeply on the theme of discipleship. Reconciliation is also a key theme in the season of Lent. Reconciliation with God and with one another through the grace of Jesus Christ. Also, the message of Lent is one of depriving ourselves as Jesus did in the wilderness. It is a message of looking into our own souls and reflecting on our sins, facing our temptations, finding strength in Scripture, and ultimately looking to the cross and seeing our sins being nailed there. It is realizing that our punishment was taken away by Christ. Now, these practices are not part of what we normally do. So when we consider depriving ourselves, reflecting on our sins, it just doesn't come as easily for us as looking forward to Christmas. Now, Easter, we understand. The joyous day of Christ's resurrection. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. The celebration that comes on Easter Sunday, we get just fine. But the pain, the suffering, the darkness that comes before Easter is something not many of us actually practice. But we cannot truly know, as, as Tony has stated many times, the true joy of Easter without knowing the darkness, pain, and sacrifice of the cross. Temptation is also a theme of Lent. It's not a coincidence that today's text is about the temptation of Jesus. For those churches who follow the lectionary calendar, the first Sunday of Lent is always kicked off with the reading of the temptation of Jesus. To prepare for Easter, we must know what Christ did for us. We must walk these 40 days as Christ did. We must identify with Christ in His walk so that when we look to the cross on Holy Week, we do not just see Christ upon the cross, but we see ourselves and understand the price Jesus paid for us. Pastor Spencer Homan of the First Presbyterian Church of Grand Forks, North Dakota, stated in a first Sunday of Lent sermon a few years ago, that as we begin this 40-day walk of Lent, we should reflect on three things. We should realize our own temptation and know that Jesus is with us even as He was tempted. Second, we should turn to Scripture just as Jesus showed us by His example of turning to Scripture. And finally, we should look to the cross for it is there that Jesus takes all of our failings upon Himself and saves us from their burden. Pastor Homan continues saying that realizing and dealing with temptation is the first step along the way. John Calvin, one of our founders of our faith, once said that we were wretched worms, unworthy of anything good. It's probably not far off. Each of us is tempted and every one of us fails to resist temptation eventually. No matter how hard we try, 
we fail and give in. Temptation is just a part of being human. We cannot avoid it. What are we supposed to do with something that has such a strong and constant pull on our lives? The first thing we see is that we are not alone in our temptation. Christ himself walked the path of temptation as outlined in today's readings. Before he ever preached a sermon, before he ever healed a single person, before he even had a single convert, he was taken aside and tempted greatly. He knows what it is for us to be tempted because he has been there. Christ wanted to help the poor, feed the hungry, help the oppressed, and for the people to embrace his message of love and grace. During the, his temptation by Satan, he was given this opportunity to achieve all of these things if he would only bow down and give in to Satan's temptations. He could have used his power to accomplish these things if he took the easy path. Remember, he'd been fasting for 40 days. He was weak, hungry, isolated. But instead of taking the easy path, he chose the hard path and did not fall into the temptation that was presented to him. How did he do this? That's the second part of today's lesson. He turned to Scripture for strength. For every temptation that Satan presented to him, he responded with Scripture. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You shall worship the Lord your God and only serve Him. You shall not test the Lord your God. He was able to withstand the temptation by relying on Scripture. And Satan left him. It was not an easy thing to turn down the easy path. And like us, I'm sure to him it looked like a really good option. Later on with Jesus, we see this example in the Garden of Gethsemane where he prays for this burden to be lifted from him and taken away. However, even then, he did not take the easy path. He chose the hard path. Christ knows what it's like for you and me to be tempted. He knows the power of sin and the hold it has. He knows what it's like to have temptation overwhelm us. He knows that it is a power that we cannot withstand, cannot control, and not resist. And we need to realize the same thing. The pull of temptation is a powerful thing that we often underestimate. In 1998, there was a big tuna run 30 miles off the coast of Cape Cod. It was the first time they'd had one in 47 years. The fish were biting everything and the rewards were great. The fish could bring a person a great profit. Many would-be fishermen ignored Coast Guard warnings and headed out to sea in small boats to take advantage of this great event. What these fishermen didn't realize was the problem was not in 
catching the fish. The problem was after they were caught. The fish were huge. Some of these tuna weighed 600 pounds. Several smaller sized boats were just not big enough to land such fish. And several were capsized while doing battle with the tuna. One was completely pulled under the water. These fishermen underestimated the power of the fish they were trying to catch. That is what temptation does to us. It takes us by surprise. It looks manageable on the surface. Only after we hook into it, we discover its strength, and by then it's too late. We find ourselves being pulled underwater. We need to realize our temptation. We need to admit them and finally face them. However, we cannot face them alone. Like these fishermen, to quote from the movie Jaws, we need a bigger boat. <laughs> we need scripture to find our strength in the face of temptation. We need to rely on God's word. That's why there's such an emphasis on scripture during Lent. Even Christ was not alone. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. If we give ourselves over to God and seek his scriptures, he will not leave us by ourselves, but will send the Holy Spirit to further strengthen us. And this is an important lesson for us today. We are never alone. God does not leave us to take this journey by ourselves. Temptation is real and powerful, but God gives us tools that we can use to resist temptation. But despite how much we try, despite how much we read the scriptures and rely on the Holy Spirit, we will still fall short. Even with Christ, Satan didn't give up. It was said that he would wait for a more opportune moment. Wait until that moment when Jesus was at his weakness to dangle the bait again. The same goes for us. We may find strength, strength by resting in the scriptures, but there will come a time when we are at our weakest that temptation will find us and we will fail. And that leads to the greatest lesson for us today. And that lesson rests with the cross of Christ. Waiting at the end of Lent is Holy Week. And at the end of Holy Week, awaits the cross. It is there that all our failings rest. It is there that all of our sin resides. It is there with the blood of Christ that we find our true comfort. There on the cross, we receive the greatest gift ever. Freedom from the burden that rests on our shoulders Freedom from the sin that taints our souls and freedom from the penalty of death as a result of our failings. Christ takes them all. And as the Son of God takes the hard road and dies for you and me. That is what we need to remember most this Lent. 
Jesus did not take the easy road and give into temptation to give us all temporary, temporary earthly relief. He took the hard road, giving each one of us eternal and everlasting relief. We need to remember this truth as we walk these 40 days of Lent, each day getting closer and closer to the day that Jesus died on the cross. And if we can identify with Christ's journey to the cross even a little bit, we will be able to experience the true depth of what happens on the cross and then truly feel the power behind the joy on Easter morning as we declare, Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Amen. Thank you.